So Matthew 6, verse 5, Jesus is speaking, and he says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who sees in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, you will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, inside the service sheet, there are some notes which will help us. And as you turn that up, let me lead us in a short prayer. Our Father, we pray that over these next three weeks, as we think together about prayer, you would liberate us all to a degree of collective honesty that we all find prayer hard. Help us to be real and honest. And help us to pray better with a clearer understanding of what prayer is, why we should pray, what we should pray for, and how we should pray. Help us realize the potential of a praying church. Make us a praying people. Make us a praying church. For Jesus' sake, amen. Make us a praying people. Make us a praying church. The first series I preached as minister in 2009 was entitled The Potential of a Praying Church. It was based on Matthew 6, 5 to 15. And six and a half years on, we returned to that ground. Just let me reassure you, I have not taken three sermons out of the filing cabinet. They're shredded ages ago. But we're back on that ground six and a half years on. Back in 2009, one of our elders preaching in the series prayed at the end of his sermon, Lord, make us a praying people, make us a praying church. And these words have always since remained with me. I often pray that prayer, walking the dog up on the Braid Hills at night. Just to say that uh, every time I mention that, it does cause a great deal of alarm to some people. And uh, just keep on praying. And if you pray, I'll be safe in the dark up the hill. And uh, looking out over the hill at night, uh, I don't think we feel this on a Sunday. I don't, certainly. When you look out of the hill at night, I know just how fragile and weak we are. 
There's a church in a massive city that doesn't know the gospel. How much we need the Lord. And the Lord has answered the prayer, make us a praying church, I guess, over the years. Prayer is important to us. People are committed to pray in all sorts of different ways, saying, yes, Lord, we need you. Prayer for one another in our small groups, in our homes, our personal prayer lives, our church prayer times. And six and a half years on at the start of a new church year, we need to keep on encouraging one another in our commitment to prayer. Now, encouragement is important. Encouragement is far more important than I think we often realize or admit. We need encouraged often. And as we waggle on the tea a little longer, how about from us all a dose of collective honesty? To use a golfing uh, analogy, our golf swing is not nearly as good as others think it is. So there you are standing on the first tier and you've got a swanky great big golf blag, great smart golf clothes, a new driver, and everyone looks at you and thinks, gosh, they must have a scratch handicap. And then, well, you might just hit the ball straight down the middle, but more often or not, you slice it or hook it, or one of these kind of balls that dribbles off the tee. Occasionally, the tee goes further than the ball. Very occasionally, the ball goes behind the tee. And so it is for our prayer lives. We might look sorted. But for most of us, and in the first service I was encouraged that my plea for a degree of collective honesty was listened to. I suspect there will be those of us in this room who are Christians that hardly ever pray. Well, you're not alone. You're not nearly alone. And let's just... Come clean in our hearts about that. It's just helpful. Five practical headings on the sheets. And the Lord Jesus here is wonderfully practical. He's most practical. Firstly, pray for the Christian. Jesus says, verse 5, and when you pray, verse uh, 7, and when you pray. Now, that's not a guilt trip from the Lord Jesus to say to us, if we're not praying, he thinks we are praying. Nor is he saying to us, these are the reasons you should pray. Now, we'll touch on these as we get into the meat of the prayer. Why do we pray that God's kingdom will advance? Your kingdom come. That God's will be done. That God's name be glorified. We need to pray if there is to be any people converted, because we can't do it. We need to pray. That God will lead us forward as a church and do the stuff that is not easy for us to do. We need to pray because we can't get through another day without Jesus. But that's not Jesus' focus here. He's much more simple in a sense than that. And he's saying, look, why is it that Christians pray? It's because it's just normal stuff that we do. It's table talk, if you like. It's family language. What kind of stuff do we say in our families to those we love or to our best friends? It's striking that those you know best, you are least insincere with. That's a liberating thing. 
You know, I ban the word fine here and then always use it after the service. I ban the word fine because in my experience as a pastor, no one's ever fine. And our families, amongst our closest friends, the guard in a sense of insincerity and formality comes down. What do you say around the dinner table or with a close friend? You say things like, thank you, or sorry, or help, or I love you, or you're great. Now, I'm not being irreverent in any way. That is exactly the way Jesus wants us to talk to God. Who do you go to when you are struggling? A friend. What are we saying? What a friend we have in Jesus. Talk to him. Prayer is what Christians do. It is family language for the Christian. One of the things we'll see in Genesis is that God is a speaking God. And Christians are speaking people. We speak to God either in our minds with words or out loud. I find it really hard to pray coherently in my mind and not out loud. So I kind of mutter away. And I do think that the other dog walkers on the Bread Hills think I'm barmy. It's a great way to protect me along with your prayers. They just keep well away from me. How do you speak to God? You speak in the power of the Spirit. He gives you words to say. You just talk to God. Talk to him. He's your friend. He's your, and he happens to be the king of glory too. So that's why sometimes we say our Father in heaven in glory. There's reverence and intimacy. So prayer for the Christian is normal family language. It's table talk. Secondly, sincerity in prayer. Verse 5. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Now, don't do what you would not do. And think hypocrite is somebody outside of this room. And switch off. Hypocrites in our heart, isn't it? Don't be a hypocrite, Jesus says. And what he's saying, don't be a hypocrite with me. You don't need to be. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. There's a negative and a positive here. Don't pray like that, but pray like this. Don't pray insincerely, but pray sincerely. And what the Lord Jesus is critical of is praying to be seen or heard by others, praying to impress them. And the key phrase in the text, you see it, that they may be seen by others. Now, we're not standing on street corners, many of us, praying to be seen by others. But we might be standing behind a perpex lectern. We might be leading a prayer meeting. We might be leading a small group. Or we might simply be praying in a prayer meeting in order to be seen or heard. Early on in my Christian life, I used to be on the church cleaning rota. If I'm really honest, I quite liked it when somebody came into the church and saw me cleaning. It made me feel good. And that runs through our Christian life in all sorts of ways, doesn't it? Praying to be seen or to be heard. 
What does Jesus look for? Sincerity. Verse 6, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus is not saying, of course, that public praying is wrong. Praying with others in our small groups or prayer meetings is wrong. He's not saying that. What he is saying is that the acid test, the acid test, the truest gauge of sincerity is what happens when nobody sees. So, for you it might be your bedroom or an office or the garage or the hut or up the hill or the bus, wherever. Those of you here who are accountants, and there are a few, I used to be one. The acid test in accounting is what an investor will look for in a company. It's not how much income it has. It's how much cash. Is it liquid? The acid test of sincerity in somebody's prayer life is the stuff that goes on when there is no one seeing what is happening. Isn't that right? You can't wriggle out of that. It's just so true, isn't it? Sincerity is a gauge of secrecy. Now, I wonder just how many of us in this room just don't pray at all ourselves to God anymore. What a wonderful opportunity to fashion that rhythm again in our lives. The best advice I've ever heard on that is you have lost the habit of praying to God on your own and stick it in the diary and show up. Just do it. What will the impact of our church family life be if 30 of us who have lost that rhythm of a daily quiet acid test kind of sincerity fashioning prayer life be if we started today? 30 more people praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's powerful, isn't it? Prayer is not a ratchet or an equation. But the Bible gets close enough to speaking of it in the sense that if you pray, then God will. And if you're sitting here thinking, the issue for me is not sincerity or insincerity, it's silence. Then you are by far away not alone in this room. You're still thinking you are, aren't you? You're not. You're just not. It's true of us all. It's hard. And uh, the Lord Jesus says there are rewards, verses 5 and 6. The rewards, verse 5, of those who wish to be seen or heard by others is that they are seen or heard by others. And they're not awfully impressed usually anyway. The reward for those who pray for the ear of God, verse 6, your father who sees in secret will reward you. What God wants is us, when we pray, to bend only his ear, not to impress others, but to pray sincerely to him. Now, just as an aside, um, 
and let me turn the coin on its head, to pray for the praise of others is wrong. What about not praying, say, in our small groups for fear of what others might think? Is that wrong? Well, I wouldn't say, yes, it is wrong. There are some people who are just acutely nervous about praying out loud. And I can understand that. But if you are acutely nervous about praying out loud because of fear of what people will think, that is not all right. Just do it. And if you just kind of wobble, think vertically. I'm only bending one ear. Just do it. With your cluttered words. And bless the people in your group. Bless them. And give your father pleasure. Now, what I want Jesus to say now is what he just says is, I, I, just, I just don't have the gift of the gab. I can't string 15 words together. I can't use the phrases that these pros use. What does he say? Verses 7 and 8. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. As the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Again, a negative and a positive. Don't pray like that, but pray like this. I think the most uh, powerful prayers or people I pray with, are, are, I can think of two of them in my mind. I won't say who they are. Of course I won't. They're, they're in some ways the least articulate with words. Grammar's often wrong. But they pray with simple sincerity. Do not heap up empty phrases. The NIV is a little sharper. Don't keep babbling on anymore. Jesus is a little less than gentle here. He's kind of saying to us, what's all this nonsense? These big words, what's all this stuff? Do you think God's going to hear you because of all these many words? Is it necessary to, to come up with a phrase for God is to turn on the frequency radar so he'll listen? And, and Jesus isn't being harsh with us. It, it, he's saying, come on, just, just, just speak in the way you speak. Now, he's not saying again that long prayers or words or phrases. Often if I'm praying with a, an older Christian, they'll pray with phrases they have used all their life. But there's nothing insincere in it. What he's exposing is many words to impress, not simply simple words to express what is on our hearts. Think of table talk. Please, thank you. Sorry, I love you. Help me, give me. Can you, will you, I love you. That's what he wants. Well, think of Andy and Moira. Graham prayed really simply. Dear Lord, please help Mandy and Moira to get their head around Spanish so when they go to Bolivia, they'll hit the ground running. That's all God wants. Dear Lord, please help me to think who it is 
I might invite to one of these events in the coming year. Please help me and give me the courage to ask them. You don't need to caveat your prayer with all sorts of rhetoric about how evangelism is difficult and hard and quote scripture back to God. You can do, but just simple expressions of the heart. Dear Lord, will you help that person who is in dire need for they really need you? Simple stuff. And then fourthly, pattern. Now here we're looking at verses 9 to 13. We get onto this in detail next week. Let's read them again. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, a lot of us have prayed these words many, many times in church services, for example, over the years. Some of you, if you are new to Christian faith, will not have done so. They might be fresh to you, these words. And why do we not pray them often in church here? And I think we perhaps should do a little more than we do. But we don't pray them habitually because I think that what the Lord Jesus is teaching us here isn't so much a prayer to be prayed as a pattern to shape how we pray. That's consistent with the context in Matthew uh, chapters 5 to 7. Yes, there is worth in praying this as a prayer. You could do a lot worse. But what Jesus wants us to do, I think here, is to say this is how you should pray. In other words, pray in this manner. Take each phrase and let that phrase amplify how you pray. So hallowed be your name. Understand what that means and let the hallowing of God's name be a vein that runs through your prayer life. Or let your kingdom come. We'll find out what it means next week. Let that amplify in your prayer life. So, for example, with let your kingdom come, pray that the Lord Jesus will come. Pray that the church will go. Pray that the commission to take the gospel to the nations. Pray for our global partners, our national partners. Pray for impact on a Friday night with the kids. That's let your kingdom come. Now, how important is this model? Well, it's the only pattern for prayer Jesus has given us. It's in some of the other Gospels, but it's the only one. He doesn't mean to say we're not informed by other Bible passages, but this is a major biggie. And uh, we can rightly, I think, fashion a pattern for praying in our personal devotional lives using this. We, we could do a lot worse. Or in our church prayer meetings, this is how you set our timetable, our agenda. A pattern. Now, I guess really practically, it would be uh, appropriate to uh, take a, a diary or a booklet. Or um, I just bought a new moleskin this week. They cost the earth, but I got a nice gift voucher, so I bought two. Uh, and I bought one for keeping up to date with what you all tell me on a Sunday, because I forget by Monday. And I bought the other one to write down praying stuff for day to day. And, and uh, you probably think that I did that because my previous moleskin was so full. It wasn't. I didn't have one. 
And I had a prayer life, but it was a bit cluttered. So here's a practical way to help me. And, and maybe it'll help you. Just take a book and write down in one column, hallowed be your name. And under it, put seven things. One for Monday, one for Tuesday, one for... Is that wrong? Is that wrong? Is that, is that not religious enough? Is it not sincere enough? Is it not real enough? It's very real. It just helps us. Hallowed be your name. May your name, God, be glorified in your world. May it be glorified in our country. May it be glorified in our nation. May it be glorified in our city. In our church, in my family, in me, that's seven days. What great prayers. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Imagine, in the world of Christianity, if every time somebody said, I will pray for you, that they did. Imagine that. I will pray for you. I am praying for you. When you say that, when I say that, is it true? Is it real? Well, help it by writing it down. I will pray for you. I have prayed for you. And when God has answered the prayer, strike it out and put another one in. Let's be practical about this. Pattern. Lastly, priorities. Now, just look at the text with me. Verses uh, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. Notice there are six petitions in the prayer, and we'll look at each of them in time. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You will be done. Give us today. Forgive us. Lead us not. Six petitions. The first three concern God. Your name, your kingdom, your will. The next, us. Give us. Forgive us. Lead us not. Often our prayer lives go like this. Give us. Forgive us. Lead us. Then, your name, your kingdom, your will. Jesus turns it around the other way. And he says, look, do this in this way, with this order, with these priorities. God's stuff, then yours. Not because I'm indifferent to your needs, because it will give you vision and perspective, and it will honor me because I am to be first. That's what he's saying. So when we pray for our mission partners, we're not praying, give them, forgive them, lead them, Provide their practical needs. Yes, we should pray that Andy and Maura will grasp Spanish. Praying particularly for Andy. Maura is well ahead with the Spanish. We should be praying. May your name be honored in Bolivia. May your kingdom come in Cochabamba, in the school. May your will be done. And then give them this, and give them that, and give them this. And give them that. We've got a whole clutch of missionaries in China. What should we be praying for? The honor of God's name in that nation. The kingdom to come in that nation. In our church life, it's the same. God's priorities first, then us. Praying with these priorities will align our wills to his. That's a good thing. Enlarge our vision in prayer. And enlarge our confidence. And keep us from self-centeredness. The next week and the week after, God willing, we'll look at the individual petitions in the prayer. And let me end where I began with a plea from you as I plea to myself for a degree of collective honesty. Nobody in this room finds prayer easy. 
lots of us in this room hardly ever pray at all. Let's let God's Word liberate us to be a praying church, a praying people, a praying family, praying Christians for His sake. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for its clarity, its simplicity. And Lord, we pray that in all sorts of people's lives, this will liberate us liberate us to begin to find our voice of prayer again. It's not about attending meetings or even having times that we show up to read the Bible and pray. It's about a heart thing. Help us to listen to the Lord Jesus. You're not interested in clutter and words and talk and all that. You just want sincerity, simplicity. Help us, Lord, by your Spirit, to be a praying people. Help us to be a praying church. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.